I had this, uh, I was in the woods this last week and I just had something occur to me that was kind of an interesting thing. And I called it the journey of a fall. And I thought it was interesting because in our lives, we're always like trying to climb. And we're always trying to like achieve something. You know, we're just like achievers. That's who we are. So it's always like, you know, we praise the driven and we rebuke the slothful. And And there's some, obviously the scriptures do as well. So I'm not saying there's something wrong in that. But I think sometimes our perspective is so much about being driven and so much about effort. And then I had this thing happen where it was the journey of a fall. And we're in the season, fall. And the Bible talks about this tree in the garden. And it talks about a tree in heaven. It's called the tree of life. And it says in the scripture that it has healing in its leaves. Which I thought was interesting because we don't really eat tree leaves. You know, they're not really on the diet. <laughs> they are for koala bears, but not necessarily for us. And, uh, but there's healing in the leaves. And I was just contemplating that scripture. And I was sitting in the woods. And the wind would, would blow. And when the wind would blow, it would rain leaves. Yeah. You know, just these leaves were just raining all around me. And I just thought, man, Lord, you've just created things in such an amazing and beautiful way. And I knew that he had highlighted it to me for a spiritual reason. And so in this, mind, in this thing called the journey of the fall... It brought me back to the life of a leaf, which is funny, you know, like now, you know, the musings of Justin, but the life of a leaf. So, you know, you think about that, the the leaf gets its nutrient, gets its life, not in itself. It gets it through the root, right? It gets its fruit through or its life through the rest of the function of the system. And so this leaf in essence, is fruit. It's the fruit of a tree. You know, if a tree doesn't bear fruit, leaves, and what we often, like what I often would picture when that scripture would say when the tree doesn't bear fruit, I never even thought about the leaves. I just thought about the apple or the whatever's growing on it, right? So it's like you look past something that's so similar, all the leaves look the same. So when a tree first leaves, It comes out of a bud. It's a little tiny bud, sprouts, it becomes a leaf. So for the majority of the leaf's life, it looks just like every other leaf on that branch. And I was thinking, like, if you looked at a maple tree and you pick two leaves in July, they're both going to look green and maple-y and they're pointy, you know, and they have that shape. And that's just who they are. They're so similar. But it's interesting that as soon as death enters the picture... They suddenly become unique and beautiful. That no two leaves decay at the same rate. No two leaves have the same exact fall color. No two leaves, you could never pick two up and be like, well, this one has a brown spot, 13 millimeters from the stem. This one doesn't have, you know, doesn't have a brown. Like if you measured out the uniqueness of every leaf that falls in the fall, you'd find out. And what's interesting is we as people recognize the beauty of the fall Colors. And what's also interesting is color comes from light. 
And so it's the change in light that determines the death of the leaf, where the life stops flowing into the leaf. And so there's so many spiritual connections you could make, but I thought, for me, the Christian's life is like the death of that leaf. Where if you looked at the tree, not in, not in the biblical sense, but if you looked at the tree as the source from which you got your life, right? Being in the world. That life was given, given to you through Adam. Life was given to you through the world system. That life is that thing that like holds the leaf tight to the tree. So that's the world system. It's not until you, allow, you, you die to that system that you have an opportunity to be carried by the wind. And it's just interesting as I was watching it happen, and obviously you can go the other direction and, and teach another spiritual lesson, but for me, the gratitude that I had after watching, like, so think about the leaf for a second. This leaf buds, grows, and hangs out on the tree. Its most exciting moment is any wind comes by, right? And it gets to shake and rattle in the wind. But as soon as the wind ceases, that thing just sits there. Doesn't do anything. It ain't going anywhere. It's just hanging on and chilling out. But there's this brief moment in a leaf's life. And this is funny. But there's this brief moment when the nutrient out of the wrong system is no longer feeding into it. That the separation between its stem and its former life giver can be severed. And so when that is severed, there's a brief moment. When that leaf is free to be carried on the wind. And so it literally fall like it just, I don't know, it's just random, right? Because I mean, you look at the trees outside. Some of the leaves are still on and a bunch are on the ground. So all at different rates and different times. And all of a sudden one breeze comes through and this particular leaf has no more connectivity. It just says, now it's all of a sudden got this journey and it's just, and you think if you're the leaf, you're like, whoa, you know, like I'm finally free. You know, and you're getting carried on this journey. But the, the thing is, I watched it happen over and over and over. It's such a short time. That freedom, right? It breaks loose, has this most exciting moment of its entire history, and then that's it. And now you just get to rot, you know, feed the next tree. And so think about your journey, my journey. Like as a Christian... We're in that constant free fall with the Holy Spirit and it never has to end. Like God's given us the freedom to be mobile, the freedom to make choices, the freedom. You know what? If you need to move, move. If you need to pack it up, pack it up. If you need to go, go. If you need to stay, stay. If you, whatever it is, you have the full freedom. Your life is not like a leaf. You're not dictated to be in this system, free from that system to lay in another system. You're in the constant space of that leaf place where it's like, I don't know where I'm going to land. I don't know where I'm going, but I know the wind's got me. That's life in Christ. And I was like, man, Jesus, for, for that separation from what I once was attached to, now I'm free to soar and be wherever you want me to be. And even when I bounce off the ground, he still has given me the ability to mount up on wings like eagles and soar again. Right? And I was just thinking like, how, what's the only way that a leaf can actually move after its initial fall? If a big wind comes. <laughs> I was thinking, this is so awesome. The life of a leaf, what it'll teach you, what, what nature itself will teach you. So be encouraged that you have freedom today 
live that place out and be excited about it. Like life's not supposed to be drudgery, right? It's supposed to be, I'm somewhere between what I let go of and where I'm going to end up. And I'm just going to love the ride. Think about the leaves that land in the little river. They're like, whoa, this is awesome. I'm in the air. Whoa, I'm in a river, you know, like, and they get carried all the way. Who knows where, you know, like, and I feel like that's us in the, in the spirit of God. You know, it's like we have this opportunity to live this life, but you don't ever see leaves out there like with their little maple wings. Like, I got to get to shore, you know, I got to swim out of this thing, you know, currents and cool water and fast. Well, they don't care. They're just, but see, that should be us where it's like we shouldn't be swimming to try to get out of what God wants us in. Right? Or hold on. I don't want to let go of the branch. Ooh. <laughs> let it go. Got to go. So Ephesians 1. I just wanted to point this out this morning. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So how many blessings do you have? Preach that to yourself every day. Every spiritual blessing. You don't have partial blessings. I don't care if everything in your world just crashed or crumbled. You have every spiritual blessing. Right? That's your warfare against crashes and crumblings. And they're in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. Chosen. Settled. Done. It was his decision. Why did he choose us before the foundation of the world? That we should be holy and blameless. Where? In his sight. Isn't it amazing? Like, choose you before the foundation of the world. So in God's mind, he's dreaming. He sees creation. He sees it all take place. He sees man fall. He sees people go the way they want to go. But in seeing all of that, he's looking at you and me and every brother and sister we'll ever have as holy and blameless in his sight. And he hasn't even said, let there be light. It's not even come out of his mouth yet. He didn't, foundation, he didn't found the world before he just determined that you were holy and blameless. That really puts a hole in the mindset of the Christian who thinks you have to become holy. I mean, it Really? Are you going to go back before the foundation of the world, do some good works, and then hope God looks at you, considers you holy and blameless in His sight? Can't happen. So the whole teaching that you have to make yourself holy is a false teaching. It's not a, what I would never say is a false teacher. What I'm saying is it's misdirected. It's somebody who's striving for their own achievement in the kingdom Who's preaching that you need to strive for your achievement in the kingdom. And what Jesus said was enter in my rest and realize that I've looked at you as holy and blameless before I even began the world. So that really ends the mindset that as a Christian you have to go groveling back to God. And make up for the distance you created between you and him. It's that moment you can just step up, look at no matter what, no matter where you're at and say I know that I'm holy and blameless in your sight. And it will change your character inside. It will make you not want to perform and do the things you just fell into. So you're holy and blameless long before you had the opportunity to screw up. 
And then he says this. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So the purpose of God's will is simple. Sons. It's the purpose of his will. He wants you to be part of his family. To know the freedom that you have to rest on his grace. Rest on his goodness. And this, then he's, the Holy Spirit says, to the praise of his glorious grace. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So you're forgiven. I'm forgiven. Again, I think we know this stuff. The problem is we don't always believe this stuff. Because if we believed it, we wouldn't walk in any condemnation whatsoever. Ever. Ever. We'd actually believe there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it takes away our ability to achieve something. (laughs) Right? And man doesn't like it. We don't like it when we can't achieve it. We don't like to rest on the wind and get blown around wherever the wind may choose to blow, blow us around. We like to have something we worked for, something that can get us a plaque, a medal, a trophy, or a recognition, a head nod, something. We just want to make sure we achieved something. And Jesus came in grace and said, I achieved it all. You achieved none. So accept what I gave you. So my journey as a Christian is not to make myself holy. It's to believe what he said about me over and over and over and over so he blessed us in the beloved. He forgave us our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he barely gave to us. Is that what it says? He lavished it. What's that mean, Dylan? It means he poured it on more than we could even fill your cup up, keep filling it up. That's right. It just keeps overflowing. No stinginess in God, which he lavished upon us In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So a lot of times when we say that people like lavish something or they give away a bunch of stuff. A lot of times what we say is they're crazy. Right? They just gave away the farm. I was told that back in the day when the Lord was using somebody in my life, he was he would literally come to my house every other day, at least weekly, asking for things. And I would give them because the Bible told me and I lived under that conviction. If somebody asked, give it. And my roommates, believers would tell me, stop giving. You're crazy. Why do you keep giving? Like he's just using you. He's just taking advantage of you. I would think that we could probably look at God and if in human reasoning, we could say the same thing. God, I mean, you gave it all for every man, but look at them. They hate you. They're rebelling against you. What if Jesus would have had that argument? Well, I'm not going to give it to them because they're rude and they're obnoxious and they don't like me and they don't believe me and they think I have demons. I'm just going to hold it back from them and look for the people that like me and appreciate me. But here's what it said. It says he lavished it in all wisdom and insight. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repent. It's kindness. It's a lavishing of love. 
We want people to come in the kingdom. Lavish them. Well, they don't deserve it. Doesn't matter. Neither did you. Keep lavishing it on them. Well, my husband did. Doesn't matter. Lavish your love on him. Well, my wife, lavish your love on her. Start living like Christ. Well, my kids, lavish your love on them. You know, that you keep lavishing just like Jesus did. He says, it's according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. Watch this. To unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Here's where Justin's belief is not very strong. I don't believe in the united things, all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Honestly, I don't walk around in a, in a mindset, a continuous mindset, that I am united with all things in heaven. If I did, I wouldn't succumb to natural thinking. Right? I wouldn't think about situations through natural perspective. I would think about things because I'm united with him in all things. I would think through the supernatural perspective because I believe that I really am united with him in all things in heaven and on earth. Including the angelic. Right? Is the angelic beings, they are in heaven. They are a heavenly being. They are getting their commands from the Lord. And yet we as Christians in our generation, we don't have much mindset or perspective that angels are around us, among us, waiting and doing and working on our behalf and on the behalf of other believers. On the behalf of situations. Supernatural healing, supernatural encounter. All the things that are united with him in Christ. What do you, you guys share a few things? What are we united with him? What's in heaven that, that is united with us here on earth? So what are, what, are, what are some of those actual practical things that are? There you go. Presence. Full healing. Total healing. Total health. Glory. Right. Think about that. The glory. Just take the glory for a minute. Christ is in you. You should be so radiant, so full, so overwhelming, so overflowing. You walk in a room and you already have the perspective that because you're in that room, the atmosphere is totally changed in that room. But I don't I walk into those rooms and I don't always have that perspective. I just walk in and kind of figure out what I'm doing. Right. There's times in my life when I have walked in that mindset and that awareness and I've walked into business meetings and I will just walk in already before I walk in the door. I'm like, I carry Jesus Christ and this room will be full of his glory. And when I walk in, it's evident. It's like now I have eyes to see because it's still true. Right. And like Barb said, we're united with it, but we're not manifesting it. And a lot of why it's not manifesting is we're not having the eyes to see because we're not believing what's actually taking place.
I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. And that's that we as Christians just should never say that because if this is true, we don't have to do the best we can. We have him inside of us. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that can be done, but we just have to surrender like the lead. Mm. Amen. That's the truth. And all of a sudden, the pressure's gone. Right? If you approach every situation with, I've got to do the best I can. Do you know what you do as a Christian then? Well, if I choose A, then I'll choose B. And you make this huge, long analysis of how you're supposed to behave. Right? And then you don't do anything because you're like, well, if I choose A, I got this many pros and this many cons and choose B. And I got, now I don't even know what to do. So I forget that. I'm just going to sit here and do what I'm. No. Like if it's in your heart, if it's pulling, if it's drawing, go, do, move. It doesn't take a lot for for the Lord to just pull on our hearts. And when he pulls on our hearts, we're so in that mindset that we've got to figure it out. We've got to know where we're headed. But he said, you're united with me in all things. All things. Go right, I'm with you. Go left, I'm with you. Just go. Right? I mean, he will not let us down. Ginger said finances. When did God not finance the things that he planned for people to do? Show me in the scriptures where somebody ran out and weren't provided for. I mean... One of the most greedy birds that lives is a raven. They're greedy. They're gluttonous. And God said, I'm going to use a raven to feed you at the brook of Cherith. Use the most gluttonous, greedy bird to bring him food and leave leave it for him. Like it just it just increases the, the measure of the miracle when God does things like that. So guess what, you guys breathe easy. Your finances are supplied for. I prophesy that. I declare that to you. And I speak increase over it in Jesus name. You're not going to be wanting. You're not going to be without. I mean your rubber band might get stretched. but 